Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, film critic and writer, and I am joined by my co-host. I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and come on, we're just going to murder a child. What's the big deal? Oh, man. In case the listeners were not awake, Jason is now. It's just a kid. We're going to do a murder on him. Why does everybody seem to care? Well, that is uh, an abstract representation of the film that we're about to talk about. In the season of Awesome Movie Year, we're talking about the films of 1980. And in this episode, it is our... Sometimes it's a Sundance Film Festival episode, and sometimes it's other film festivals. So Sundance did not exist in 1980. We are looking then at the Venice International Film Festival's Golden Lion winner, which is Gloria from writer-director John Cassavetes, which actually was a tie at the Venice Film Festival that year for the Golden Lion. Uh, Louis Malle's film Atlantic City was the other co-winner. And uh, we wanted to talk about Gloria because we thought it would be a good entry point also to talk about Cassavetes, who is, of course, a major figure in American cinema. And after we decided to take that opportunity, I feel like we're about to talk about how we don't get Cassavetes, either of us. So it'll be like when we've talked about some other great filmmakers and we're going to come off like total Philistines. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, Josh, when we were preparing, I remember I was like, why not Atlantic City? And you mean that piece of crap, Louis Mall? That was your exact quote. That, I was like, yeah. why, why are you taking it out on him? And then you're like, well, I've murdered children in the past, so I really want to cover this film. And I was like, man, I just can't win with you today. Yeah, that was a very accurate representation of our conversation. So, well, I think hopefully we'll get to Louis Mal eventually. I don't know that Atlantic City is necessarily one of his most notable films. I think that was probably my thought process, but eh, maybe, you know, mis mistakes were made. It's possible. No, hey, Cassavetes is uh, definitely worth covering. And I just hope you at some point stop calling Louis Mal a piece of crap. Yeah. Cassavetes is, of course... Uh, a very important American filmmaker. And we did, to varying degrees, look further into Cassavetti's filmography before um, watching Gloria and preparing for this episode. So we'll, I'm sure, talk more about that specifically. Um, and this movie is one of his most successful and most loved films. It is also one of his most mainstream films in terms of his approach. It was originally a film that he was not even planning to direct. He had written it and sold that script to Columbia Pictures. And it was only when Jenna Rollins, who was also Cassavetti's wife, signed on to play the title role that he then joined as the director. So his films as a director, for the most part, are smaller scale films, less plot driven, more noted for their uh, character studies and relationships and less about story. And this movie is, whatever you feel about it, is certainly full of plot and incident. And so that was kind of um, different for Cassavetes as, as a filmmaker. And the movie was successful, although I, I so it grossed $4.1 million at the box office. I didn't find anything on its budget figure. So I would imagine that that was a relative success, but I'm not sure if it was a massive success. It was generally well regarded, although it's interesting to see movies like this. So it was nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars for Jenna Rollins, 
who lost to Sissy Spacek in Coal Miner's Daughter, which is uh, worthy. I mean, Sissy Spacek is amazing in that film. But so that's that's a top notch achievement. And there were some other lesser uh, awards, nominations and wins. But then, like, I feel like some other movies that we've talked about where they're nominated for both Oscars and Razzies, this one at the first ever Razzie Awards, which I hadn't realized, you know, we talked about Heaven's Gate earlier this season, kind of cleaning up there. And I guess this was the first time the Razzies were ever given. And so John Adams, the young child who is, I think, six or seven years old in this film and is the kid that Gloria, the title character, is protecting from the mob. He won the Razzie, the first ever Razzie, for Worst Supporting Actor in a tie with Laurence Olivier. (laughs) Just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And then I saw the Stinker Bad Movie Awards, which we mentioned in the past. He also won the Worst Performance by a Child. So that's a whole category where they just shit on children, you know? And it's like, um, it's ridiculous. The kid is fine in this movie. Like, give it a break, dude. So. Yeah, I mean, well, my my dislike of children is well established here, and I don't think he's good in this film, but imagine being like seven and you're, you know, your first exciting opportunity to be in a movie and some people say that you suck. And not only that, but that you suck the same amount as Laurence Olivier considered often the greatest actor of all I mean, time. It's I guess so bizarre. Yeah. Maybe that's a compliment is like, you're just as bad as the best person to ever do this. Right. <laughs> right. But, and then on top of that, you know, we know Cassavetes works so intensively with actors and there's so much improvisation and character study. So really like who is winning this award? Is he winning it? Is the kid winning it? Cause you know, he crafted, helped craft this kid's performance. Of course. But, but onto, you know, that 1980 best actress nomination for Jenna Rollins, Sissy Spacek, you mentioned one, Ellen Burstyn, Resurrection, Goldie Hawn, Private Jet Benjamin, and Mary Tyler Moore, Ordinary People. Pretty, pretty good company to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, like Private, I don't know if I've seen Private Benjamin, but I feel like a, a best actress or actor nomination for a broad comedy like that is something we don't really see anymore. Yep. But we're not talking about that movie. Josh. No, we aren't, but you, you brought them all up. So um, I, yeah, to, to digress slightly more, I was just fascinated by this whole Laurence Olivier thing. And the, the, the Razzie win was for the jazz singer, which I know when we were coming up with this season, Dave, you had said might be your pick. So do you have any thoughts on Laurence Olivier and the jazz singer, Dave? I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so not really, but uh, I, I, it's a strange thing for the first year of the Razzies, for sure. Yeah, so maybe we'll someday revisit Olivier's performance in that film. But yeah. I, I will say, I do think it's kind of crappy for the Razzies to pile on a kid like that, that it's really outside the spirit, although maybe it's in the spirit of the Razzies, which we've complained about multiple times. Um, but I don't like him in this movie, not just because I don't like kids. I think the performance is very awkward. And maybe, Jason, as you're saying, it's more about Cassavetes molding that performance and that it doesn't work. And because he's so heavily into improv, Cassavetes, and I don't know if there's as much improv in this film because of its structure as there is in other Cassavetes films, but maybe that was not the best for this kid. Well, Josh, you're a little bug. I'm going to squish you, Chiquita. You're a nice girl, but we're never going to make it together. That's your impression of the kid, I guess? Yeah, I guess so, whatever. <laughs> All right. Just just general uh, impressions of something. Bye, Gloria. 
Don't need you. I'm a grown ass man, Gloria. I can handle my own business. See, and you wonder why I didn't like this kid because Jason is doing a not all that inaccurate impression of this kid and how he talks the entirety of this film. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't write the script. He didn't direct it. True, true. But I don't think he improved on any of it, certainly. Um, but, but, but General Rollins, I think is great in this film and, and deservedly acclaimed. So, um, this movie was mostly positively reviewed. It seems like, but a lot of the critics basically had it, what looked to me like this, the same kind of response, which is that because this is such a departure for Cassavetes as a filmmaker and much more mainstream than his other films, it was always kind of with reservations that they were positive about it. It got two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, but both of them expressed this concern that they hoped that this wouldn't be the start of Cassavetes moving in this more mainstream direction as a filmmaker and that he would return to the style of his earlier films. So they were sort of marginal on it. They liked the acting, especially Jenna Rollins, but they didn't necessarily like the what they would think of as sort of a cutesy plot about the, the gangster's mall bonding with the kid. And... Uh, Roger Ebert, in his written review, said, well, it's a cute idea for a movie, and maybe that's why they've had this particular idea so often. You start with tough-talking, streetwise gangster types, you hook them up with a little kid, you put them in fear of their lives, and then you milk the situation for poignancy, pathos, excitement, comedy, and anything else that turns up. Precisely because the material of this movie is so familiar, almost everything depends on the performances. And that's where Cassavetes saves the material and redeems the corniness of his story. Jenna Rollins propels the action with such appealing nervous energy that we don't have the heart to stop and think how silly everything is. Yeah, I don't really have much to say. I, I don't, th- I think, you know, we're going to find out that I liked it less than you two. But, you know, Josh, you were saying how plot heavy it is. It's like there is one incident and then the plot is just on repeat for the next 90 minutes. So... It was like, oh, now we got to run to another place. Now we got to run to another place. So, you know, the performances do mean a lot. And then I just felt like beats repeated itself. So I just couldn't get into this one. You know, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but that's um, I mean, with the reviews, this is kind of what I'm uh, resonating back to. Right. No, that's fair. And I think you're you're right on on multiple accounts. I think I did like this more than you did, although I didn't really like it that much. But you are definitely right about the repetitive nature of this. There's no reason for this movie to be as long as it is. And I think when the critics are pointing out that this is a more structured, mainstream kind of movie for Cassavetes, and maybe he's so used to making these shaggy, extended, improv-heavy films that he is not as good at tightening it up when the plot doesn't call for the movie to be two hours long. You could have cut this movie down to 90 minutes And I think it would have served the plot just as well. And it would have served the characters just as well, too, which is clearly what Cassavetes is more interested in. Yeah, I think, you know, look, I'm not telling John Cassavetes how to restructure his movie. I don't think he's listening anyway, to be honest with you. No, he's pretty he's pretty dead. (laughs) Yeah. But you would think it would be like these two are forced together. There's the moments where they can't get along at all. Right. Then they have like their fun and games. And like now we're bonding. And then. You know, the way they separate isn't just like, well, I don't like you. Well, I don't like you either. That would you would you would think would be at the beginning. And then, you know, 
at the middle point, it would be maybe that the mob does capture the kid or something like that. And then she has to like fight to win him back and you can throw in one or two more reversals or whatever. But like, this is one of those movies where we talk about where like, if you just say one or two things to a person, like you've cleared up the whole plot and because they don't say anything like that's why the movie exists. And I get very frustrated at those movies. Yeah. I get frustrated with that too. Although I felt like I felt that toward the beginning. And then I thought as you learn more about Gloria, they did do uh, at least there was an effort to explain why she hadn't done the most obvious things to resolve the problem. And so I was willing to kind of give it the benefit of the doubt on some of those things and say, okay, I can kind of understand why this character would have made these moves out of desperation or out of thinking that this is the only way to handle the situation, even if it's probably not. So I was less frustrated with that than you were, but I think the repetitive nature of it, the it, what, what it exactly is, as you described it, like, let's run here. No, let's run here. No, let's run here. And it's just that over and over and over again, where Cassavetes seems like he's more interested in like, where else in New York can we go? And he showcases New York really well, but after a while, it's like, okay, what's next? This right. again? And- and then also in some of those places, it's like there there doesn't seem to be an explanation of why they're running to those places, right? Like they just show up there and they're like, oh, I guess I just assume that this person can be here now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is because they don't know where to run. And the only thing Gloria has in mind is that we just have to keep running. We can't stay in one place because then we're going to be caught. But you're right. It's not always clear why they're where they are or why they couldn't stay where they were before. So I, I do think that that is frustrating, but I think maybe with Cassavetes taking over as director, he shifted the focus to the things that he's more interested in, which is obviously less the plot and more the acting and the characters and that kind of thing. Fair, but he also wrote it, Josh. Let's not forget that. So, yes, you know, it was all there on the page, uh, uh, allegedly. Yes. So Vincent Canby in the New York Times said, Gloria is a very peculiar, lumpy mixture. It's Hollywood-style hokum, directed and acted in the bravura manner of all of Mr. Cassavetti's earlier, sometimes quite spectacular, home movies. It has its charms, but not for a minute is it believable. And it's certainly never embarrassingly moving in the schmaltzy way of such slick Hollywood kid flicks as Paper Moon and even The Champ. Whether or not it's supposed to be moving, I don't know. That's the sort of question that haunts each Cassavetti's work. You can never be sure that what you're seeing is artful or artless. And Canby spends a lot of time also in this, this review kind of negging or, or uh, damning with faint praise Cassavetti's films as a whole. Uh, and, and I think he, he is, is right that the the Cassavetti style in, in more, more so in other films of this heavily improvised approach and very character driven. It, it feels like you're watching acting class exercises more so than you're watching real people interact. And there's not as much of that in this film. I personally like this more than those other Cassavetti's films because it had more structure, because it had more plot, because it felt like something was happening versus other films. I'm going to just take it from like the acting standpoint. Like, did you think there was much of a difference here between like this? Um, and I'm not saying this negatively, but or something like it would be kindergarten cop, right? Which I like, which is a movie I like very much, but like the relationship between like adult 
authority figure who can perform violence and like child, like I didn't feel like I was getting some insightful, uh, independent acting exercise in this one. I felt like it was very Hollywood here. Well, right. I think that's what I'm saying is that I like this more because it was very Hollywood, but uh, in terms of the structure and the plot, but I do think that, I mean, I haven't seen Kindergarten Cop in a long time, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Jenna Rollins in Gloria is better than Arnold Schwarzenegger in Kindergarten Cop. Um, it's not the Puma. Thank you. There it that. is. Uh, that was coming. Yeah. So, no, I mean, I think what what works, if it does work about this film, is that combination that is, is yeah, is a bit awkward and that the critics here are mostly complaining about. But that Cassavetes, especially working with Jenna Rollins, who, of course, is his wife and is someone who's worked with multiple times on other movies, is able to dig into that person as a character and give you more than just Schwarzenegger and Kindergarten Cop. But there's still the Hollywood plot element and the bonding with the kid and the running from the mob and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I got that is what I'm telling you. Like, I, yeah. I, I, and that's not against the performance, but like. I it took me. Uh, did you know right away that she was like an ex, uh, you know, uh, a Gumar, so to speak, an ex mob girlfriend? I didn't know that until like way deep into the movie. Well, right. I think that's on purpose is that you are discovering things about the character via the performance and via some dialogue, too. But I mean, I, I, no, I didn't know that right away, but I think I learned it over time. And you. You realize, like fairly early on in the movie, she says something to the kid like, oh, the people who are trying to kill you are my friends. And so you know she's got some kind of connection to the mob. And as the movie goes on, you learn more about what that is. And you also don't learn entirely everything about it. And I think it's on purpose that this is a, a character that, you know, you don't necessarily know all of her secrets or whatever. So I was fine with that aspect of it. I thought it was interesting in that Jenna Rollins found ways to play this Hollywood style character as a more uh, multi-dimensional person that you might have that might have stepped out of a different kind of Cassavetes film. Well, yeah, no, I have no problem with her performance. I'm just saying it's no kindergarten cop. Right. No, you would have preferred Arnold Schwarzenegger in the in the title role. I, no, I'm just saying, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying kindergarten cops a better film than Gloria. And that's on record. All right. <laughs> so finally, Jonathan Rosenbaum in the Soho News said, the unexpected pleasure of John Cassavetti's crowd-pleasing, charmingly acted, 100% hokum Gloria is the confidence it shows in flourishing old-fashioned Hollywood tropes. In contrast to the more scattershot methods in Cassavetti's earlier work, the tight scaling down of incident and character, battered middle-aged mall with a precocious seven-year-old Puerto Rican kid in flight from a malevolent mob in bombed-out sections of the Bronx, Manhattan, and Jersey, clicks along like a well-oiled suspense machine, and better yet, improbably delivers the shop-worn goods. And so he, even more so than Vincent Canby, I think is basically saying that this is better than the more acclaimed Cassavetes movies, and later he kind of takes a dig at critics who prefer those other Cassavetes films. Well, look, like we said, you know, I think we each watched three Cassavetes movies coming into this. Or? I didn't watch as much as I had uh, tried to because I ran out of time. But I did. Oh, I watched. Always I, running out of time, this guy. That's all I, he ever says. Well, and and that and also because I watched um, A Woman Under the Influence and I found it so unpleasant <laughs> that I was not <laughs> eager to watch more. And I knew I had to watch this because we're talking about it. So, yeah, I watched that. And I believe I saw Faces 
in a film studies class in college, although I don't really remember much about it. Yeah, I watched Faces and I watched Shadows, his first movie. And then Faces was the one that kind of, I guess, elevated him to like indie kingpin, I would say, you know, and that's what he named his distribution company after. And um, but I'll tell you the truth, like there are different types of movies. I didn't really enjoy one more than the other. I guess Faces is the best of the three, but I didn't like Faces all that much either. It's like you said, we're going to get uh, we're going to get uh, roasted and lambasted and that's fine. We want to hear what are we missing? Because I don't I mean, I think Dave probably liked it the best and you liked it more than I did. And I'm just like other than from like a, a film study standpoint, it didn't make me want to go met, watch more than more Cassavetti's movies. No, me neither. Uh, even though I did like this more than A Woman Under the Influence and more than you did. And I found certain aspects of it enjoyable. After watching those two and having seen Faces a long time ago, I have not, I, I'm not eager to explore Cassavetti's more unless it comes up for another uh, kind of homework assignment for a podcast or an article or something like that. But yeah, Dave, I think really uh, got into Cassavetti's during this process. Oh yeah, I, I loved opening night. Uh, I thought this was great. I thought Gloria was great. Um, I do agree though, uh, A Woman Under the Influence, very difficult entry point if you're going to start going into Cassavetti's because that is that movie is a lot. Yeah, but, but probably his most acclaimed and well-known film. So it seems like the entry point that a lot of people would take. Yeah, not me. No, that's okay. <laughs> no. And, and I can't really recommend it. Honestly, I would recommend this because it's easier to kind of ease into, you know, it has that mainstream plot structure, but it also has the uh, acting exercise kind of thing that he does. And if you watch this movie and you love Jenna Rollins in it, maybe then get into a more difficult Cassavetti's films that she, film that she stars in. And I would disagree because this is more, as we know, like an aberration of the type of films than uh, the norm of what he did. I think you want to watch one that kind of fits more of his normal uh, way of making a film then, um, or, or his style, his tone, you know, the whole thing. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, I think faces was a good starting point for me. Right. Well, that is, again, that's where I started. I mean, I'm sure it was at the time it was in like a film studies 101 kind of class and was probably, a, a an example of early indie filmmaking or something along those lines. Um, and so maybe that is the entry point to take. So I mean, in the end, it really doesn't matter. It's not like you're like, well, I, if I would have watched Gloria first, then I really would have liked Faces. But since I watched Faces first, I don't like Faces. No, no. And I don't mean that. I just mean if someone was curious about Cassavetes and was looking to start and this might be a good place to give you a sense of are you going to like the more difficult films, um, depending on what you like or don't like about this film. But I mean, we don't have to give people lessons on Cassavetes, and obviously we're the wrong ones to do so. Um, but yeah, so none of us had appreciated him before this, obviously. Um, Jason, I mean, you hadn't seen any Cassavetes films prior to this. No, what does make sense is like, uh, I mean, I love the idea of John Cassavetes, right? Like he's basically the father of modern American independent film. Right. And like I that's the those are the movies I resonate towards the most. And he spent his own money from his acting jobs to make these movies. He figured out a way to distribute his own films. He was actor intensive. He worked more on character than plot, like all things I loved. But then when I see these finished products, it's just not something that clicked for me. Any of them. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that the the fact that he 
did all this stuff basically on his own and pioneered a kind of approach to filmmaking that really no one else was doing at the time that now we might take for granted that this is the kind of thing someone would do. But yeah, absolutely. Respect to him for that. And he's an important and influential figure. But I didn't enjoy the experience, really, of watching his film. So I, I guess we're uh, we're going to talk more uh, about all of that again when we come back and get into more of our general thoughts on Gloria. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1980, we are talking about the Venice International Film Festival Golden Lion winner, John Cassavetti's film Gloria. And as we have thoroughly established already, we have completely missed the appeal of John Cassavetti's here. Yeah, let me jump in, Josh, Please. as the co-host of Awesome Movie. Let me, let me take something. Right from the beginning, this movie is off for me, right? The first okay. 10 minutes are about Phil's family his mom and Buck Henry as his dad. And like you spend all this time with them and like you see this fight between them and then, you know, they're killed. They're all killed. Right. Including a sister who they could have easily like had her leave the, the apartment and been like, no, you're a child. You don't stay here. Right. But they kept her there for some reason that didn't make sense. And then, you know, like Phil, the little boy, Buck Henry says, you go to Gloria and now she's in charge and it's like what now she's your mom like i don't understand like how that even even the reference point of like hey just take care of him and like you know find a place for him would make more sense and now he's yours you know but more than all of that none of that beginning made any sense to me because all those characters are gone and the way you see gloria is only when she like comes to borrow butter and then when phil runs to him I think the first 10 minutes would have made way more sense if you see Gloria in her life and she's set in her ways and she's always dealing with adults. And, you know, I mean, at one point she says, I hate kids, but like we could have seen that before she has to go with this kid. So the whole first 10 minutes just set this thing up to not work for me. Yeah, see, I agree with you about a lot of them about this film, but I disagree with like everything that you just said there. I liked the first 10 minutes. I, I think, weirdly, I had seen your letterbox review before watching this and your complaint about the first 10 minutes. And so I went into that thinking, oh, what is this about exactly? What is he what is he talking about here? You don't see these characters again. And it's true, you don't see those characters again because they are dead, uh, because they are killed by the mob, as you say. Um, but I felt like it established the stakes of what was going on, that these people who, including a child, who I, I I mean, you're right. You do kind of wonder, like, why didn't they try to get send the 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 daughter off too? But they're 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 desperate. They're about to all be killed. The mobsters are literally like coming up the stairs at that moment, and the little girl like locks herself in the bathroom or the bedroom or something, and they don't have time. They just say, "Phil, go get out of here." You know, they just do everything that they possibly can before they're about to be murdered. So I was okay. With that, it made sense to me as a decision of people who are desperate and are in fear for their lives. And I thought it effectively established the stakes of the story, which is that these mobsters will not hesitate to kill not only the guy who worked for them, Buck Henry, as their accountant, but a child, an old woman, whatever they feel is necessary. And so glory the danger that Glory is in, the danger that Phil the kid are, are, is in, is very clear. 
And the idea that they're like, oh, go with Gloria. Obviously, she's someone that they trust. Not only is she their neighbor, but she's the good friend of the mother. And what else are they going to say to the kid? Just run out into the street? I mean, no, this is the only I'm, person who's no, here. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like the way that Buck Henry says it is basically like, Gloria, you're in charge of Phil now and forever, which is just nonsensical at this point in time, right? Like at any point in time, right, you would be like, hey, we have to go to Child Protective Services. We have to go to the cops. You know, we have to do something because that's going to protect you. You're going to say, oh, no, the mob would have got him anyway. But I, also, I just disagree. Like, you could have established all of that in like one minute and been like, hey, oh, they killed this kid's whole family and he ran to me. And like, I would have more preferred to see who Gloria was before he got, you know, at that point in time. And also that that dialogue in the beginning is so repetitive, which we know is something that happens in these Cassavetes films because of the improv nature. And I found that going on throughout it, you know, there's a beat towards the end where like he says, where Phil says, I love you, Gloria, you know? And then like two scenes later, he's like, for the first time in my life, I realize I love you, Gloria. And I'm like, you just said it two scenes ago. It's not the first time in your life, you know? And it, it really frustrated me, man. Like, uh, I know I'm just like some bum sitting here on my, uh, in my, uh, living room or whatever, but like, these things, like, I don't, if John Cassavetes didn't make this movie, would it have gotten the pass that it got? Well, I mean, if John Cassavetes didn't make this movie, it would be a different movie. I mean, that we can say that about any movie. Um, and I did find it interesting that despite all the stuff that, like, in a lot of those critic reviews where they're saying, oh, this is this sort of sanitized, more mainstream version of Cassavetes, it wasn't just that it was a mainstream success or whatever. I mean, we're talking about it because it won this top prize at a prestigious international right. film festival. It was well-regarded by cinephiles and, you know, snobs, essentially, we could say. So um, I think it's because Cassavetes directed it that it is what it is, and it got the acclaim. If Cassavetes had stuck with his original plan and had sold this off to Columbia and someone else had directed it, some journeyman that the studio had hired who is specialized in family-friendly movies or whatever, it would have been a different movie. And would it have been as acclaimed? Maybe not, because it would not have been this film. I'm not saying it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but um, speaking to the stakes that, that Josh was talking about, Jason, you're comparing it to Kindergarten Cop earlier. I think that that opening definitely sets up that this is a little bit more serious than a Kindergarten Cop. And yeah, I just, I, and I will tell you that I feel like the stakes were well, were well, first of all, it wasn't a, uh, a guy trying to kill a kid in Kindergarten Cop. It was a dad trying to take his son back. So, yes, it's a different set of stakes, but I think it was more effective in Kindergarten Cop, which is not the point of this podcast. We're not comparing these two films. So. <laughs> yeah, I am amazed at how much Kindergarten Cop has come up as far in this film. But, Boys but, have penises and girls have vaginas. Thank you, which is a line <laughs> from Kindergarten Cop, I hope. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think what you're saying too, like, Jason, when you say that this could all be established in one minute, and maybe it could have. But I think that, and you don't like this, and I am mixed on it, but I think that the point of like Cassavetes taking this over, if another director had done that, maybe if the, the first 10 pages of the script, say, dealt with all that stuff, another director might have said, cut all this, we don't need it, we can establish all this in a minute. But what interests Cassavetes is not just expediency of establishing the plot, it's I want to spend 10 minutes with these characters because I want to spend 10 minutes with these characters. And that's the point for him. 
Right, but you you yourself, Josh, said it could have been 30 minutes shorter, which I agree with. And I think an easy way to get there, one, is to cut those 10 minutes. Not because, like, hey, we shouldn't spend time with these characters. But to me, there was no worth in spending time with those characters. All we needed to see was family dead. Phil, take this book. Gloria's in charge now. That's all I needed to see because I didn't get anything else from those characters. Yeah, I mean, see, I didn't mind that. I minded that less if I was talking about let's make this shorter. I minded that less than the repetitive nature of what we were talking about earlier in the middle of the film, where it's just the same beats of the plot over and over again. It's like, let's let's run here. Oh, no, wait, the mob might have found us. Let's run here. Oh, no, wait, they found us. Let's run here. You could have cut multiple instances of that or them staying in various hotels. I would have rather cut that than those first 10 minutes that to me did emotionally establish not just the facts of what's at stake here, but the investment of like, here were characters who were like good people that I was kind of interested in and they've just been murdered. And so I really have an emotional investment in whether their child is going to get murdered or not. So I would have I would have kept that. I mean, we don't need to spend all this time just talking about the first 10 minutes. Of no, of course not. But Josh, let me just say uh, famed John Cassavetti scholar and Boston University professor Ray Carney, who was quite a dandy, as I recall, when in my BU days uh, is quoted as saying this is the film Cassavetti's least believed in. And I feel like that comes across on screen. Yeah, and I don't know about that. I mean, Carney may have known Cassavetes personally, and so maybe that is is something that he can say with authority. But to me, it doesn't feel that way because of things like the first 10 minutes, because Cassavetes, he isn't just saying like, okay, I'm going to do this work for hire job because my wife wants me to direct this film. He comes in and says, okay, if I'm going to make this mainstream film, I'm going to put my stamp on it. I'm going to make as much of it as possible like a Cassavetes film. And that is what you can see in those first 10 minutes is that that is what you can see in a lot of the interactions between Gloria and the kid. And maybe we don't like that that much, but it certainly is Cassavetes being Cassavetes. Well, okay. So Josh, I mentioned that one scene where the first time Phil says, I love you, Gloria, after all this turmoil between the two, his face isn't even in the frame. You get like a forehead and then like a medium shot of Gloria. And like, I can't see why that would make sense from a directing standpoint. Like this is this kid finally revealing this big emotional thing. And like I said, it was repeated Uh, on top of that. Like it just like it just felt like there were a lot of misses like that in there for me. And, um, you know, I don't I don't want to be. And the whole idea that she just like now I'm now I'm your mom, like it just doesn't work for me, you know, so I don't want to just drag it down and blah, blah, blah. So, Dave, you take over and you tell me what did I miss here? Well, just I mean, I I can't you know talk you into liking the movie, but just to that one scene you're talking not with about, that attitude, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to that scene you're talking about right there. I mean, I think every single beat is about Gloria. It's not, you know, it's about her reaction to that moment. So it's, you don't think you should see her. this kid's face when he says, I love you, when we've seen his face, when he's yelling at her, when he's upset, when he's crying, but when he finally comes around, we don't need to see his face. In a lot of other movies, I would say, yeah, you need to see everybody, but the this movie is 100% about Gloria the whole time. It's about her journey. It is not. It is It is about both their their journey together. Like, yes, she's the title character, but like 
I feel like you, there is no journey without the kids. So he's an essential part of it. Yeah. But I mean, I think at least you could argue that, but in that one moment, like you said, Jason, you see the kids face a lot of other times. And for whatever reason, maybe Cassavetes in that moment thought we want to see Gloria's reaction to this. That's what's important in this particular moment. And he's using that decision to emphasize what he thinks is important in that moment. I didn't even notice that particular choice there. But 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 I do think you're right, Jason, that it is not just about Gloria's journey. It is about both of their journeys. And we spend time with the kid by himself. And I think that's a weakness of it, that Jenna Rollins is so good and this kid is so not good that <laughs> it, the balance is off, that a movie that's about both of their journeys isn't really working because she's the only one who's giving you enough to care about her character's journey. So that to me what was is what was frustrating. Here's the things I liked. I liked a lot of the way he used New York City and those kind of long zooms into like closer sequences and the moving cameras. Bill Conti's music is very good. We know he's a like kind of a legend with that stuff. And then um you know, I like uh, I like New York mobsters. What could I say? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. The music is really good. I I like the way it showcases New York. And like I was saying earlier, I think maybe one of the reasons that it is so repetitive of them going from one place to another is that Cassavetes had the money to shoot on location in New York and wanted to showcase as much of the city as possible. And he does. It look it's a great kind of New York City travelogue in its own way. And I I definitely liked that about it. And I think there's there's one scene, I mean, there's too many scenes of the same kinds of things happening. And part of the reason it's frustrating is that there's one scene that I think is really, really good and that is sort of lessened by the fact that it keeps happening. But when they're in the bus station and they're initially just, they're trying to get a bus to Pittsburgh, Gloria thinks that that's the way that they can escape if they go to Pittsburgh. And they go into kind of like a little cafe thing in the in the bus station and of course there's the mobsters there at another table and Gloria confronts them and it's in a restaurant full of other bystanders and they all kind of are quiet and they're looking but it's a great New York thing and then it happens multiple times where there's like gunfights and standoffs and everyone in New York is just like oh all right well you know whatever I'm gonna go back mm -hmm. at my business but I feel I felt like the way that it was done the standoff there in that diner was really good and it was revealing of Gloria's character and how tough she was and how far she was willing to go. But also it had the real suspense of like, hey, they're in danger and I'm worried about what will happen to them. But then there were multiple other confrontations that kind of lessened that. But that one I thought was really good. Yeah, I liked some of her escapes and, you know, some of her uh, shooting of these mobsters. But like, yeah, just, um, you know, I mean, look, man, Akira Kurosawa was a fan. So what do I know? Yeah, well, I and mean, he was not the only fan, certainly. Um, and and I think even if this is an outlier in Cassavetti's filmography in a lot of ways, uh, it's still generally regarded as one of his great films, along with those other more Cassavetti's-ish films that are more improv heavy, that are more character focused. Um, I think this is still considered up there with with his finest work. So what do we know? And um, not much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, it's like I'm stumped because like the whole concept, like everything, the whole concept of John Cassavetes, like I love, but I, the movies I do not. So, yeah. And so maybe that's where we want to leave it. Um, and we can rate this movie maybe out of uh, five. Uh, I will say I was watching this and the kid all, only wears one outfit throughout the film and he's got this 
wide lapel shirt with these like uh, water wheels, like from like a, a, a riverboat on it. And I just kept thinking Jason would love to wear that shirt. He looks like oh, a little yeah. adult, but I also like Gloria and all of her padded, um, you know, shoulders, uh, jackets and everything. So, yes, you know, so, so I want to, should we rate this out of five, uh, water wheel shirts? <laughs> sure. Sure. Josh. I mean, look, it's not, uh, it's not a horrible, like what the, what the heck happened here? It just didn't pique my interest and it didn't hold me. It's two and a half. In the same ways that we've mentioned some other major figures and it hasn't uh, held for me, two and a half water wheel lapel shirts. And I'm sort of surprised that you rated it that highly considering how uh, negative you've been. But um, I also have been a bit negative and I'm going to give it three out of five. I did enjoy a lot of aspects of this film. I really like Jenna Rowland's performance and I thought it was mostly fun, even though as it got on toward the end, I was ready for it to be over. So I'm going to give it three wide lapel shirts. Dave, how do you want to rate this? I'm going with four of those shirts. Um, I agree, though. It, it's it's definitely a little too long, maybe a lot too long. Uh, but there's a lot of great moments throughout, and uh, I really enjoyed it. What were the what what can you name like three, Dave? Just like so I understand what I'm missing here. Three moments. Yeah, three of these great moments. No, three oh. shirts, Dave. Name three yeah, shirts. Three, three of the shirts that I like. I mean, Gloria being a badass, like shooting up that that you know car and then yelling for a taxi afterwards. That's that's one. Gloria at the uh, at the bank asking to take her money out, and the lady's like, oh, "I'll have to get an assistant manager for that." She's like, "Goodbye," and you know, I like that. Uh, and I, the ending. The ending's great, you know? Are you going to kiss your grandma? It's oh, a great yeah, ending. A great Hollywood to, ending. We didn't yeah. even get to the ending. Yeah, I wasn't a fan <laughs> of the ending, but I think we've we've kind of, uh, we've dogged on this movie enough. So uh, let's come back and talk about the legacy of Gloria. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year. In this episode of our season on the films of 1980, we are talking about Venice Film Festival Golden Lion winner Gloria from John Cassavetes, whose work we are baffled by. <laughs> um, and this, um, even though, as I was saying earlier, uh, a lot of the response to this film, especially in the Siskel and Ebert segment that I watched, was like, is Cassavetes going to go mainstream after this or return to his uh, earlier style? Sadly, because Cassavetes died pretty young, he died in 1989 at age 59. This was actually one of his final films. He directed two more films after this, one of which was not even really his. Um, so the only other real like Cassavetes film that he made after this was called Love Streams with, uh, with Jenna Rollins again. Uh, and then his final film was a movie called Big Trouble that he took over from the original director, uh, Andrew Bergman, and I think was not really something that he didn't really take ownership of. So this was late in his career, and it seems like maybe didn't really get the chance to go back to that earlier style of filmmaking. Yeah, you know, I want to go the opposite direction, Josh, because like I watched Shadows, you know, which is his first movie, and there's a lot of main characters uh, who are black, and this is 1959, and you know, there's a lot, there's an interracial romance. And I feel like the stuff he was doing was maybe way ahead of the time. And it was tough for me to place at that point in time. And maybe that's why I'm having so much trouble placing him contextually whenever I see any of his movies. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Like, even the, the acting exercise, that type of thing, you know, I mean, like, look, I love Martin Scorsese, right? We know that he was an influence on Scorsese. So 
yeah, there's just something that's not translating for me. But, you know, I think Faces was worth watching. Dave, you said opening night was your favorite of the bunch, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people are going to continue watching Cassavetti's movies, um, and uh, and they should. I mean, and also a very successful actor, Josh. Yes, yes, he was. I mean, and and he's he's an actor in Love Streams. You know, the last real movie that he made, he acted less and directed more as his career went on. But as you pointed out, a lot of his independent filmmaking was about taking these acting jobs that he got paid well for and then funneling that money into making the independent films that no one else would really finance. So, I mean, and he has a huge legacy uh, sort of personally. Of course, he was married to Jenna Rollins for like 30 plus years or something. They worked together many, many times. He directed her. They also would work together just as actors. Um, and all three of their children, Nick Cassavetes, Zan Cassavetes, and Zoe Cassavetes, are all filmmakers to uh, varying degrees of success. Nick is the most successful, although he's made some not so great mainstream films, but has engaged with the legacy of his parents. In 1997, he directed the film She's So Lovely, which was based on an unproduced John Cassavetes screenplay that he left after he died. And Jenna Rollins has acted in a number of her children's films, Nick's films, as well as uh, I think Zan and Zoe. Um, and The Notebook is the probably the most notable Nick Cassavetes film and has a major Jenna Rollins role. Um, and her career has continued. She's been a very prolific actor. She's still alive. She's 91, although the last role that she had was in 2014. And I mean, she, I think, has her own acclaim as an actor beyond just having worked with John Cassavetes. Sure. She's a legend. She's like one of the most important actors of the 20th century. Um, you know, uh, Persepolis, we talked about her when she was one of the voices in Persepolis. Uh, going back to Nick Cassavetes, I love the notebook at the time that I saw it, but I had a girlfriend at that time. So that makes sense. I do remember seeing She's So Lovely in the theater, and that was Travolta and Sean Penn and Robin Wright. And I remember being like confused, but that would be worth rewatching. Um, Zan Cassavetes, I have watched the Z Channel, A Magnificent Obsession, which which is about the Z Channel documentary about it. And we should have mentioned that the Z Channel in the um, Heaven's Gate episode, because that was the first place to ever play the the full version of heaven's gate right the chimino version and that kind of led to the explosion or the origin of the director's cut i have not seen zoe's broken english though have you yeah i actually have i've seen i haven't seen that z channel documentary but i've seen zan's narrative film um her vampire movie which oh god is it called like kiss of death or something like that and i have also seen uh broken english both of those not great not great movies um i've never seen the notebook however um nor i don't think have i seen she's so lovely i'm not sure if i've seen um any nick cassavetti's films but he's definitely the most prolific of the three Speaking of Heaven's Gate, this is just sort of random, but you know, like we mentioned in Heaven's Gate, this this movie also has one of Tom Noonan's earliest roles as a random thug. I, I actually marked down Tom Noonan and Lawrence Tierney, who we might be talking about in an upcoming season. Hint, hint. Oh, hey, all right, yes, Lawrence Tierney playing the uh, bartender at one point when Gloria goes into a bar to kind of get away from the kid and orders a beer at eight thirty in the morning, and there he is. Uh, in sort of a little cameo. So Josh, a couple of things about the actors here. Jenna Rollins, as you mentioned, she's got four Emmys, two Golden Globes, an honorary Oscar. They did 10 films together, her and John Cassavetes. And then John Cassavetes did have a best screenplay Oscar nomination for Faces. 
And he's got an independent spirit award named after him. The John Cassavetes Award is awarded to breakout independent features that cost less than $500,000. We've talked about two of them here, The Blair Witch Project and The Station Agent. And a movie that both you guys like, Shiva Baby, which I thought was all right, but you guys really liked it, was the last winner of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're talking about Cassavetes as a pioneer of this certain kind of indie filmmaking, and that is a sign of it, that really that spirit of making films for a small amount of money and doing it on your own is something that that Cassavetes pioneered to the point where the entire existence of that is now something, an award that's named after him. And literally what I'm trying to do with my life at this moment. So (laughs) stop, stop talking bad about him, Jason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you know the role was originally ri- written for Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons, the Phil role? Wow. Ricky Schroeder. I guess I guess it would have not been a uh, Puerto Rican kid at that time played by Ricky Schroeder. I, you know, honestly, I, I mean, I might have preferred Ricky Schroeder in this because he, he uh, maybe was a little overly precocious, but he could act right seasoned, as a kid. He was seasoned. Yeah. So, yeah. And this kid, John Adams, I mean, he just, a lot of times it felt like he was just kind of lost in this film. And maybe that's the fault of Cassavetes not giving him the right kind of direction. I don't know. And it's not a surprise then that this is the only acting role he ever had. I mean, I got to think also, if you're six or seven or whatever years old, and again, going back to the Razzies. Yeah, it's just mean spirited. You know, and they say that you suck. You're not going to be eager to be in another film. So it was hard to find anything about him. IMDb claims that as of 2004, he was the manager of a, a billiards parlor in Soho, but that's literally the only thing I found. Hopefully he's having uh, a nice life. If, if he is, he could be wearing that type of shirt still. That's uh, <laughs> an important thing. <laughs> it's come back into style. Absolutely. <laughs> so Josh, we should mention with Cassavetti's names besides Jenna Rollins that like are synonymous, Peter Falk, Ben Gazzara, Seymour Cassell. You know, it was almost he was forming his own acting troupe back in the day before, you know, we see this now with like Wes Anderson and the Coen brothers, stuff like that. Do you have a favorite movie with him as an actor, Josh? I mean, I love Rosemary's Baby uh, as a film. And uh, Cassavetes is not certainly the most notable presence in that film, but he does exactly what it calls for as the smarmy a uh, husband of Rosemary who sells his child's soul for the chance to have an acting career. So uh, that off the top of my head, that that would be the one. Jason, do you? Uh, I was going to move on to Bill Conti at this point. No, I oh, okay. I got I have to watch more to really like. I haven't really seen much of him as an actor, and that's uh, that's something I got to uh, get into. Um, yeah, Bill Conti. We talked about with uh, the music for the Karate Kid. He won an Oscar for the right stuff, and he wrote "Gonna Fly Now" from Rocky. Maybe as famous a movie song as there ever has been. Yeah, I feel like Bill Conti is known for those really, if you talk about Rocky or The Karate Kid or things like that, like these really catchy, like iconic film themes. And the music here is really good, but it's not in that same mode. So he's obviously a versatile composer too. Yeah, I mean, Cassavetes uses those kind of jazzy, you know, feelings, which I think represent also the performances on screen. We've talked about Buck Henry before when he... When we did, uh, you know, The Graduate, which he co-wrote, and uh, he's he's a, a legend, hosted SNL 10 times, wrote To Die For, co-directed uh, Heaven Can Wait. So, you know. Yeah, this uh, is a weird place to see Buck Henry, who is still, you know, more known as a writer and also certainly more known for comedy and having him. There's no comedy, or at least not from his character. 
in this film, uh, having him play this this mob accountant. But you, I wonder if maybe he and Cassavetes were friends, and this is something that he does kind of as a favor, shows up briefly in this film to to get another big name in there. I mean, he's like second build in this film, I think, right. for that tiny role. And Julie Carmen was, you know, uh, a very, she was working a, you know, a, pr- a pretty sizable name, Milagro Beanfield World in, War in the Mouth of Madness for two. And now she's a drama and yoga therapist, Josh. Yeah, and she's the one who plays Phil's mother who also appears really just in that first 10 minute segment. That's the person we follow for some reason. Yes. I don't get it, Josh. Yes, we do. I don't get it. Uh, one thing I did want to talk about, Josh, is all the remakes and movies that were influenced by Gloria showing what an idiot I am for not liking this film. They remade this movie with Sharon Stone and Sidney Lumet directed it. Have you ever seen that version of it? I have not, and I didn't really make a huge effort to do so. I mean, I thought it was more important useful to focus on trying to see Cassavetti's movies. Um, that film, which came out in 1999, was not well-regarded at the time and is still, as far as I know, is not well-regarded. So, I mean, kind of a forgotten thing. It is weird. You know, Sidney Lumet, who was basically like a contemporary of yeah. Cassavetti's, I would say, to to do that as one of the, the films in sort of the later part of his career. And I think that was a time when Sharon Stone was also sort of maybe struggling to find, you know, she was not at the height of her popularity. So uh, I don't really have any desire to see that film. I would have been curious to see, according to Wikipedia, Paul Schrader was at one time trying to remake this film starring Lindsay Lohan. That would have been amazing. Yeah, I mean, and Paul Schrader... In a way, you know, in a way like Cassavetes is the kind of guy who just does what he wants with whatever he's got. And I'm sure it would have been something even if it was terrible. But I, I doubt that that's happening now. The two others that were mentioned, Julia with Tilda Swinton from 2008, which I have not seen. Have you? No, that's a highly acclaimed film. And I don't know if that's how closely that is actually a remake of this. But um, I, I, I some some critics I follow were recently just tweeting about that movie for some reason. Maybe it was an anniversary or something. Yeah. And then Leon, the professional, which I did watch in the lead up to this, the Bassan, Luke Bassan movie and the one that made Natalie Portman a star when she was still a child actor, a teenager and Jean Renault's probably most famous American role. And I have issues with that movie, too, but I liked it more than this. Yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, although I liked it a lot when I saw it. And I there's not other than. I mean, the idea of the gangster connecting with a child, as Roger Ebert points out in his review, is not something that originated with this film. Well, it's not just the gangster connecting with the child. It's the idea of like the entire family being killed and the kid has nowhere else to go. And this is a neighbor in the same apartment who has to take him on based on like, you know, um, uh, a need at that point in time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I hadn't seen Gloria at the time that I saw The Professional and if Bassan was influenced, Bassan and Cassavetes could not be more different as filmmakers, but I suppose, you know, he could have very well have, you know, seen this film and been influenced by it. In summation, Gloria, the garage rock song, way better than Gloria, the film. Yes. Also, mm. Jason would prefer Kindergarten Cop or The Professional versus <laughs> Gloria. However, there is no garage rock song called Kindergarten Cop. But maybe there should be. Um, Dave, did you want to say anything about the legacy of this film? As a composer, I know you, you, I think were posting on Letterboxd about the score and the Bill Conti score, how great it is. Oh, fantastic. I, I'm trying to find it on vinyl right now. Just, a, just a great score to probably listen to. I would imagine like just on its own. I mean, it's great in the movie, but, uh, yeah, a really great Bill Conti score. I mean, he, he's great. Of course. Yeah. yeah he's a legend yeah. as far as that goes. 
So that is Gloria, and that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. You can check us out on social media. Yeah, and stick it to us. Stick it to us real good. You can stick it to me at Jason Harris Comedy or J. Harris Comedy and all the socials. My website, go for Jason, was murdered by the mob in 1980. com is a workable website. Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. And we are trying to post more now. Yeah, we're trying. <laughs> Follow us anyway. At least you can keep up with the new episodes. And you can keep up with me at, uh, well, not really much at joshbellhateseverything.com, but do check me out on Facebook at joshbellhateseverything and on Twitter at signalbleed. And listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, Piecing It Together. Check out Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where a friend of the show, Joe Black, is probably going to write a like 16 paragraph long takedown of this episode because this is his favorite. And we, we knew that going in and we're open to that. And honestly, please, Joe, tell us where we went wrong. Yeah, we can't wait to hear it. <laughs> so, Jason, what do we have in our next episode? Josh, it's the best picture winner of 1980, Robert Redford's Ordinary People. So, tune in next time for Ordinary People, and thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.